0: Jesus, we come before you this morning, and we ask that you would show us a new way to look at this scripture. Pray that you would show us our hearts a new way to open up and receive your love. We celebrate your love this morning together on this fourth Advent Sunday. Amen. So just a few notes this morning, I wanted to invite Emily to pass out the activities for the kids Um, We have a special activity where the kids will be creating ad lib as we go through a manger scene with stickers that we've gotten for them, and we'll be checking in with them throughout the day, throughout the morning on the Advent scene in the manger. And also just a note, I've made it a lot shorter than you're used to this morning since we do have the kids with us, (laughs) so just a, a forewarning there. So back to our text this morning. It's probably one of the most famous scriptures. Most people have heard it, even if you don't study the Bible on the regular. Um, The first time I ever encountered this text was when I first became a Christian during Christmas morning. It was, I had just became a Christian my sophomore year in college. And my family, who are non-believers, didn't really know what to do with this newfound faith of mine. And so they would get these very Christianese gifts for me for Christmas. So my first gift for, this happened a few years in a row until I got the guts to say, please don't buy these things anymore. Um, but my first gift for my family when I first became a Christian was this really big Jesus statue. And at the base of it said, for God so loved the world. And that's my, where I go with this text. It's my first recollection of the text. It's always what pops in my mind is this really big statue of Jesus. All the while, when I was a sophomore scheming, everyone that would come into our dorm room would be like, what is that? So my prayer for us this morning is that it would be a renewing sense of the scripture, that God would renew wherever you've heard this text before, we would learn something new about it. So this morning is our fourth Sunday in Advent, and we'll be looking at love and how to celebrate it together. And what does it mean to celebrate love with our faith? Last week, we explored what it means to take our place in God's story. And our passage this morning is stuck in between two stories to give us context. One is of a Jewish religious leader called Nicodemus. He He was trying to be really curious about who Jesus was, what he was doing, but he never really stepped out and left his position as a Jewish leader to fully follow Jesus. And then the second story that comes after our text this morning is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And the first line of our text says, For God so loved the world, and world here is a specific word choice. It expands God's love to all people, from just Jewish people, the chosen people, to all people, including Nicodemus and the woman at the well. This expansion, I believe as we sung this morning, is asking do we have expandable hearts to write God's story with it? Do we have the ability to expand our love to include others that might not be seen or known? This reminds me of a neighbor of ours. He's lived on our block for about 30 years, way longer than we have. He's always up on the neighborhood news. Every morning, he walks his dogs. He waves me over lots of times and kind of traps me for 30 to 40 minutes. And he's one of those people that I kind of try to rush away from. It's really hard for me to have patience for him, Uh, He talks at me a lot instead of asking any questions or truly engaging. And about a year ago, I felt God's nudge to say, how can you see him better? And so after that, I've been entertaining these really long conversations, been talking to him, and it's dawned on me that that was God's way of nudging me of how I can love better, even though it wouldn't be my choice. Is there a person in your life like that? that might not normally be the person you want to talk to or expand your love for. It's really hard for me sometimes to do that because I'm always in a rush. Um, Especially with him, I leave usually at the same time that he's walking his dogs and he flags me down. It usually means I run in late or something else. But that's sometimes God's timing to expand our hearts. So as I mentioned before, we'll be stopping in on the manger scene. And we're going to examine each of the people as the kids fill out their 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 scenes. The first person I want to take a look at is Joseph, and you can put that up on the screen for me. So we have it on the screen. This is what the kids have. Our graphic designer, Doug, helped me out do this. So as kids, as you fill in your stickers, you'll see the same stickers on the screen. So Joseph is the man in red that you see, kids, and he's engaged to be married. He finds the person that is his future wife is pregnant and not with his his son or daughter and he plans to secretly leave Mary since her pregnancy would be a disgrace. He's trying to be nice, but really he's looking out for himself to plan an exit strategy. And then an angel from God appears and tells him that, don't leave Mary, it's actually my son, and it's the work of God of why she's pregnant, and she's going to give birth to the Son of God. So I don't know about you, but I'm not sure how I would respond if this was my story that God was inviting me into, if God was calling me to love in such uncertainty and unexplainable circumstances. If you haven't put your Joseph on your scene, kids, you can go do that now. And you can also put the angel that appeared to him. As the verse goes on, God is providing us an example of what love looks like. I think this is really important this morning as we celebrate love so close to Christmas. Love looks like God giving up his only son. In verse 317, it provides the idea that God gave his only son. Elsewhere in the New Testament, Jesus is often referred to as being sent. So the intentional word choice of giving or gave is important to take note of. This is a new model of what God's calling us to live into, into community together. To sacrifice for someone else. This summer, I dragged my family out to an outdoor festival. Some of you might, I always actually run into Newcom people at Renegade Craft Fair. It's usually in Wicker Park, downtown Chicago. It's something that my three and one-year-old don't necessarily look forward to because it's lots of walking around about stuff that they can't touch, breakable pottery, jewelry, all of that kind of stuff. Anyhow, I always make a point to go. There's really good food. There's always something really great there. And this year, so we went, we stopped halfway in between, and there was a kid that my oldest son made a friend with. And usually, he picks out his friends based on the toys they play with. Kids, if you pick out your friends based on your interests, that's super normal. This kid had a big dino that my son was really excited to play with. And they played for 20, 30 minutes while we we ate pizza on the curb on the sidewalk. And then when it came time to to leave, the boy looked at his mom and he took a special note. You could tell he was really thinking about something. And the boy looked at his mom and said, Mom, is it okay if I give my toy to this this kid? And my husband and I were like, who does that? I have never, like getting your kid to be selfless and motivated by things of what a kid is, is yearning for or being excited about is a challenge, parents, right? Um, so in, when I think about this sacrificial love, I don't know if that family were Christians, but I do know that it made me take a specific note of, of how they're trying to love and how they've been raising their son, a tangible sacrificial way to think about, hey, what's different about this kid or what's different about this family? I think that's the, way, the type of love that God is calling us to. God's calling us to something big and radical for kids, kids live and die for play, for toys, and that was a big sacrifice for that boy. I think it's a big sacrifice. What would be a big sacrifice for us, and how will people take note that we're trying to live differently in a world that might not give away our toys? It's like, to me, giving away a bicycle, like what's an adult toy that you could think of? I often read this verse and think, do people know something that's different about me when I Sometimes, maybe, kind of, maybe once in a while, but I think God is calling us to something deeper where that's really tangible. And then in this verse, it's also the providing of his son. It shows how far God is willing to go to pursue us. In the stories that we're reading today, we see God pursuing Joseph through an angel. We see God pursuing him through showing him it's gonna be okay. I think it's a big deal to send an angel to someone. As we we celebrate love this morning, let us think of all the things that God has done to bring us to this point. Two days before Christmas, all busy trying to buy presents, but let's try to focus on something that God has done in our lives where we've experienced his love. So let's head back to the manger scene. We can go ahead one more. So then we have Mary. Mary's the person in blue. And I'm gonna go to Luke chapters 1 through 26 through 38. She was visited by an angel, much like her husband. And as she is told, she will become pregnant by God and birth the Messiah of the Son Most High. Then the angel describes more to Mary, and her response is, how will this be? After the angel is done describing Jesus and all that will happen to Mary, her response is this. I am the Lord's servant may your word to me be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. This is something where I feel like God is calling us to land. If we've truly experienced God's love, is our response, I am your servant, and may what you're saying, this crazy idea that, that the son of God is gonna be birthed by Mary, May it be fulfilled. That that be our heart stance. I think this is a stance where God beckons us in to experience his love, but then also goes out and works through us. So as we continue with our original passage, I'm going to read those verses. These are the verses that most people don't want to hear about condemnation and all this stuff. Even in commentaries, people were talking about how it's been left off of the lectionary text that churches study because it's not a great message for today. So I'm going to read those verses again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, A while back, one of my mentors explained Christianity. This was about the same year that I got that crazy Jesus statue. One of my mentors was trying to explain this verse to me as navigating the shadows of life. I was always kind of, I grew up in a very moralistic family and felt like I had a good gauge of what was right and what was wrong. So I didn't feel like I was like outwardly sinning when people talk about life. And so when I became a Christian, I was like, Okay, I, have, I know God's love, but then what, like, what's changing from my outward behavior? So we were talking about that, and she was talking about how navigating the shadows means you might not necessarily be sinning directly, so you're not clinging to darkness, but in the shadow places, you're making choices to step into the light, even though you're not sinning directly. It's choosing light each day as we wake up and deliberately moving towards truth. It says in that verse, well, that truth will be there. And I believe each day as we wake up, we're faced with choices to have, of how to show love to ourselves, how to show love to others, and how to walk in the light. This morning, as we celebrate our love, let's remember a time when we did this well, when we chose to move out of a shadow place and live in light. What was different about that? What, what, what things were happening in your life that helped you choose to walk into the light? And how did that day end? What were you thinking about? What led you to that place? Truth is about how, how are we telling it? How are we speaking truth? It says in this last verse that whoever lives by truth comes into the light. And that's a, that's a characteristic to look for of how we're choosing life and love. So let's go back to our manger scene. The last people in our scene that we haven't talked about are the shepherds. You can put them up there. There's two shepherds. And we see the shepherds in Luke 2, 8 through 20. And if you were here last week, this is what we talked about. um, Joy that the shepherds had. We see that yet another angel appears to the shepherds, telling them of Jesus' birth and the good news that the Savior of the world was born. The shepherd's response is, let's go. Let's see the baby and what God has done. Let's go. I can only imagine Their excitement and quickness with which they left after hearing the news. After seeing the baby, the shepherds went out and spread the news that the birth of Jesus and all that had happened to them. And it says that the people were amazed with what they heard. Amazed. As we look at this story of ordinary people, like we talked about last week, it's just people doing their jobs, and then when God comes in, responding to that love that he's showing on them. It's a reminder... That as we take our place in God's story and fully understand God's love we will become a part of God's story and the band can start making their way back up so as we come to a close this morning we can remember that as we step into God's story we are reminded of God's vast love we're reminded of the angel that guided Joseph We're reminded of the angel that guided Mary. We're reminded of the angel that guided the shepherds to step into their story. But first, because God showed them love. So let's celebrate love this morning and as we celebrate in near Christmas morning. Amen. Thank you.